over our life in such a way that it is a sweet-smelling savor unto the Lord. Amen? That's a daily thing. That's a daily thing that we, we every day, we get up, we, we make decisions. We choose to pick up our cross and follow the Lord. We choose to die daily, as Paul said. I mean, we make, we've made those statements of faith. We've said, Lord, if it's offering, I pour it out to you. Lord, if it's my life, I lay it down for you. But how many know that that's a daily practice? That we, that we every day, we, we have this, these desires and these tugs of the world that draw at us, and, and they try to pull us out of that and resurrect our old selves. Amen? How, how, many, how many else are you like I am in that? There's still, there's still draws. There's still things that if, if we allow the things of the world to become big, and, they, and they, we allow them to, to get our attention, and they, we allow them to draw us away, they will. So we daily make a choice, and we, we minute by minute sometimes make those choices. Amen? And the Lord loves that. He loves when we give those sacrifices. And it's the most different, like bizarre in the natural thing, that when you surrender is when you get freedom. Right? That only happens with God. If you surrender to the enemy, you're not free. The only time you ever get freedom from surrender is with God. That's why we usually have a no surrender policy, right? I ain't surrendering. I ain't quitting. I'm not giving up. And that's what we must have when, we're, when we are going to fight the enemy, when we know that, that there's two forces, amen? When you narrow it all down and you, you just condense everything down, there's two forces. There's the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. And if you're going to be a part of the kingdom of God, you must surrender, and it's in that surrender that you gain your freedom and you gain your liberty and you gain your strength and you are equipped. But if you surrender to the enemy, you're going to be in bondage and he's going to steal, kill and destroy. Amen. But Jesus said, but I've come that you'd have life and abundant life. That's freedom. That's why all the people all around the world are still trying to come to the United States. You don't see people swimming from the United States over to Cuba. Yeah, not yet. Not yet. Where are you going to run? This still is the land of the free, the home of the brave. No matter what leaders are in control, because we're a people. Amen? There's a spirit of God that lives inside of us, and that spirit brings liberty and freedom. And that's a powerful thing. And that's kind of what we're talking about in a nutshell today. We're, we're still going through Revelation. And the Lord gave us a, a, a break, a time, and to, to look at the Antichrist. If you weren't here last week, um, I gave a lot of background on that. So I'm not going to cover all of that again. If you want to get that part or you think at some point throughout this, well, maybe I've left something out. You might want to go back and listen to last week because I probably laid that foundation. Um, why we're, what text we're going to be looking at mainly today is 1 John. And why we're doing that is John is the, the, the man who came up with the term Antichrist. There's been many other names, and we covered those, but he's the one in his epistles that uses the term Antichrist. And we saw that that, that is like an imposter. He's a pretender, and he is also an, a, a foe. He is against Christ, but he's also a, a fake, an imposter. Amen? So we covered that. Um, I'm going to read, pick up on our text where we left off last week in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 through 
Well, we'll just read the chapter. How's that? We covered this point last week. Do not love the world, nor the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world. Everyone say, for all. For all that is in the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away. Aren't you happy about that? I am. The world is passing away, and also with it, it's lusts. But the one who does the will of God abides forever. Amen. That's encouraging. Children. Don't you love John's heart? Little children. It is the last hour. Church, it's the last hour. And just as you heard that Antichrist is coming, even now. Everyone say, even now. Many Antichrists have arisen. From this we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not really of us. He's talking about people that have left the gathering, the the community, the church. They went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out in order that it might be shown that they all are not of us. But you, you have an anointing. Look at yourself. Tell yourself, you You have an anointing. That is like one of the greatest newses, and you're going to see that. But you have anointing from the Holy One. And you all know, I have not written to you because you do not know the truth. But because you do know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar? But the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist. So who is the liar? The Antichrist. This is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. And we're going to look at that. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father. The one who confesses the Son has the Father also. As for you, let that abide in you, which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son And in the Father. Is that not awesome? We can abide in the Son and in the Father. And the Son and the Father abide in us. Woo! Man, that'll preach. And this is the promise which he himself made to us. Man, when God gives a promise, it's a good one. And you can cash it. Here's the promise. Here's the promise, church. Eternal life. Not a temporary. Satan's always peddling this temporary life. This world's going to pass away. John's already saying, at least this world's fading and it's passing away. And that's all the enemy or the Antichrist can peddle is things that are passing away. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. It's all passing away. God has eternal life. Not this temporary thing. I, I, I watched a horrible video last night of a young man who's part of, the, I think it's the Jungle Boys. Is that these two guys? Come on. Maybe they're not Jungle Boys. Island Boys. Island Boys. Is that better? Island Boys. These guys seem like they're, they, they got some pretty cool uplifting music, honestly, kind of a hip-hop. But one of these boys, I seen a video, he literally said he just recently sold his soul to the devil. And he was saying how broken, he's like, man, I have so much anxiety. I'm so, like, I don't have any peace. Like, man, I feel awful. 
And he's going through sharing this. And it's for real. Except for that he doesn't know. The enemy's a liar. He can't sell his soul because he don't own his soul. Satan don't own his soul. God owns his soul. So he's trying to sell something that he don't own. But isn't that interesting that, that this, this is a reality and we're seeing it more and more and more today. That there is a true spirit of Antichrist. And, and it's been there and it is and it is rising. I don't know if you guys are aware, but it's very emboldened today. It's very emboldened. It's, it, evil and darkness used to kind of hide. It's not hiding. It's full-blown. It's, it's, it's out there. Amen? But God gave us eternal life. He's not, he's not flashing this little temporary stuff. The Bible says this life's but a vapor. Here today, gone tomorrow. The Antichrist is going to want you to invest in this here today, gone tomorrow. Put all your chips in something that's a vapor. God's saying, look, I've come that you might have life. Abundant life. Eternal life. So which one are you, which one are you going to choose? A temporary? And isn't that the lust? The lust is a quick. Now. I want it now. God's not about that. God's about, like, forever. <laughs> He's going to love you forever. Amen? So, he goes on and says, these things, John says, these things I've written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. Church, there's people trying to deceive you. There's spirits trying to deceive you. He goes on and he says, and as for you, the anointing which you receive from him abides in you. Ooh. And you have no need for anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie. So what is he saying that you have no need for someone to teach you? You have no need for someone to teach you what John is teaching. What is Antichrist and what isn't? Because you have an anointing, which we're going to look out. That should be inside of you. The spirit of the living God resides in you. And anything that's contrary to him, he's going to let you in on. If you, if you are spiritual, you hearing me? If you're spiritual, the Holy Spirit, the pneuma of God, will speak to you. Because you have an anointing. But if you're carnally minded, how many heard the term carnal Christians? If you're carnally minded then the spiritual pneuma is not going to be speaking to you. Do you see some people, you're like, how are you being deceived? We'll look at that. But as for you, the anointing which you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need for anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things and is true, amen, yes it is, and is not a lie. And just as it has taught you, you abide in him. And now, little children, don't you love John? Abide in him so that when he appears, when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink away from him in shame at his coming. Church, when you have to shrink away from someone, it's because you're ashamed. When you have to shrink away from someone, it's because you're ashamed. When you can't come in contact with someone, it's usually because you've done something you're ashamed of. 
God doesn't want you to be ashamed of him. God doesn't want you to shrink back when he shows up. He wants you to be able to come running to him and say, Daddy, Daddy. Now, there's one that wants to steep you in shame and guilt. And his works will always do that. But you have an anointing. But you have an anointing. He goes on and says, now little children, abide in him. That's our, that takes us to do that. Abide in him. So that when he appears, we have, not, we have confidence and not shrink away from him and shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone else also who practice righteousness is born of him. How do we know someone's born of God? They have a Christian t-shirt. They got the bumper sticker. They practice righteousness. That's what John's saying. Little children, this is simple. He's, he's talking to us as little children. How do we know if someone's born of God? They practice righteousness. Does that mean they're perfect? That's not what he said. He said they practice righteousness. And that also means that they don't practice unrighteousness. You follow me? All right. Well, praise the Lord. That's quite the intro. Amen? It's a good passage of scripture right there. That's why we're going to study it. Um, we looked at last week um, the conflict between the two seeds. Amen? The, the, the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. There's a, there's a conflict, and it's still going on. We, we began to dive into 1 John. We, we, we covered the do not love the world, the cosmos, and we looked at the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. And that lust is, is a deep desire. It's a forbidden desire. We don't want any part of that. We're going to go into the second point, which is really looking at verse 18. And it says, it is the last hour. That's how, that's how that starts. Children, it is the last hour. And just as you heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have arisen. From this we know that it is the last hour. How do we know it's the last hour? Many Antichrists have arisen. So my second point is that it is the last hour and Antichrist is coming and may have arisen. Now, something kind of comical I saw on um, last week's, I think it was our YouTube post for last week's message. It said, the title of the message was Antichrist is Coming. Well, right after Antichrist is Coming, it said Sunday, 11. <laughs> I saw, I was like, oh no. <laughs> Good thing not too many people are looking at our YouTube, obviously. They're mostly on Facebook, but I got, I got a kick out of that. I was like, Man, someone might click on that just to hear this crazy guy that's saying Antichrist is coming on this Sunday. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of cute. But it is the last hour. Um, there's been debate over the years, and I'm just going to cover this a little bit, um, that Antichrist is a spirit. No, Antichrist is a man. No, Antichrist is a spirit. No, Antichrist is a man. Antichrist is a spirit. Yes. Antichrist is a man. Yes. So many times I see biblically, and you, these two camps get positions that they want to have a yes and a no, and not every time, but a lot of time, God is saying yes and yes. Yes. The, the restrainer that has to be removed before Antichrist can come. People will go, well, that's the Holy Spirit. Yes. That's the church. Yes. That's the Holy Spirit. Yes. That's the church. 
Yes. Yes and yes. It's the Holy Spirit in the church. You can both be right. You don't have to fight. The Antichrist is a spirit. Yes. No, the Antichrist is a man. Yeah, don't, you don't have to fight. And we're going to look at that. We're going we're to see biblically, where does that come from? Well, 1 John 4, 3, John explains it. And he says, every spirit. Man, you're on it, Beth. I got to give you props. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of Antichrist, of which you have heard that it is coming, and now it is already in the world. Now, if you have your Bibles, I would circle is coming, and then circle is already. How can that be? The person of Antichrist is coming. The spirit of Antichrist is, is already, and has been. You following me? Many of the early church fathers, we covered a little bit of this last week, but I just wanted to lay this foundation. Many of our early church fathers wrote about who they thought the Antichrist was. All the way from, well, I mean, they, they were looking at Judas to Nero. Um, it's continued from there. I believe the last one many believed it to be was Hitler. Um, there's, been a, there's been a couple more since then, and I'm not going to get into that. I have some ideas. Um, that's all they are. And, and it's okay to have those. We should be looking. John said it's the last hour. That's like pay attention, right? If you see these antichrist spirits, pay attention. Now, I will say, I'm not looking for antichrist to come. I'm looking for Jesus to come. I'm looking for Jesus to come. The only reason we're even spending time is this is because there's already antichrist spirits that have come and are. We don't want to be deceived by them. Amen? That's why we're going to talk about Antichrist and look at it. We're not like laying out who it might be so that, oh, no, we got to watch out for this guy. We ain't going to be here. We're the restrainer. The restrainer has to be removed so the Antichrist can establish his kingdom. But that kingdom ain't getting established because we're restraining. Amen? And if you're restraining, you can't be on the same team. You following me? All right. I try to keep pretty simple messages. <laughs> there have been many who have had the spirit of and been types of Antichrist. There's been many. And we covered some of that last week, all the way from, um, you, can, you can look back at um, Pharaoh. You can look back, I mean, you can look back at Cain. You go all the way back. We looked at seeds. You go back to, you see a type of Christ was Abel. A type of Antichrist is Cain. It's very interesting. You can, you can see these types and these patterns all through Scripture. I'm just going to share a little bit. Cain said, it, the Bible says he was of the wicked one. The Antichrist was from the wicked one. Cain slew a righteous seed. Did he not? Antichrist, we read in Revelation, Antichrist is, is killing righteous seed. Cain, God placed a mark on Cain. Antichrist will place a mark on those who follow him. Cain was, was given punishment, a sevenfold punishment. Tribulation is seven years. There's some interesting things. There's types. 
And I want us to see that, that there is types of things happening even today. We can see that God, there's a pattern. So let's look at this pattern. If there is, if there have been many who have had the spirit and types of Antichrist, I've told you that the Antichrist and Satan is, is, a, is a phony, he's a counterfeit. He, he copies what God has done. So if there could be types and types of Antichrist, then that means there has been types of Christ. God has put types of Christ all throughout the Bible to get our attention. And his purpose in that was so that people would recognize him when he showed up. They would see the pattern. They'd be like, oh, he fulfills this, 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 this. He's the one. So I'm not going to look at all of them because it's a pretty exhaustive list. I'm just going to say. But I just want to just I'm going to go over some of them. Types of Christ so that you can see there's a pattern. There's also types of Antichrist. But I want to look at the types of Christ. Adam. Adam is a type of Christ. We know that Jesus came as the second Adam. Amen? So Adam is a type. Abel was a type. We just saw Cain was the anti. He's going after the righteous seed. Abel. Jesus died for being righteous, did he not? Just like Abel. Abel brought a righteous sacrifice. He did what God asked him to do, and Cain slaughtered him. You see Noah as a type of Christ. Noah gives the opportunity to save the world. But many didn't come. Jesus is a type that comes to save the world. For he's the one. Melchizedek was a type of Christ. It was a king and a priest. Just like Jesus, the king and priest. Jesus is from the line of the tribe of Judah. He doesn't come from the priestly line. Neither did Melchizedek. Neither do we. But we are kings and priests unto our God. That's what Revelation teaches us. Abraham is a type. He was a foreigner. That's what he said. He was a foreigner. Jesus was a foreigner in this earth. He had no place to even lay his head. Did, we not, did he not say that? This, this world is not my home. That's what he said. I have no place. The Son of Man has no place to even lay his head. He was passing through. He's a foreigner, just like Abraham, just like we're supposed to be. Isaac, he was the blessed son. He's a type of Christ. So was Jacob. Moses, the type of Christ. He was a mediator between God and men, just like Christ. Joshua, it's a type of Christ that was victorious and led his people into the promised land. Actually, the book of Joshua is so ridiculously parallels the book of Revelation, it'll blow your mind. How many times they go around the walls? Who fought the battle? Who fought the battle? That's right. Are you seeing some patterns? I hope so. You think God wants us to know what he's talking about? I'm pretty sure he does. That's why we're going through this, the, the study of Revelation. It's the revealing of Jesus Christ. Anyone who would be against that don't want Jesus revealed. And I wonder who would be that. Why hasn't the church wanted Jesus revealed? It's mind-boggling to me. Boaz, in the book of Ruth, is a type of Christ. He is what we see is the Hebrew word, the goel, 
the kinsman redeemer. We see Jesus when he, there was only one worthy to open the scroll church, the kinsman redeemer. He has the title deed. That scroll is the title deed to all humanity. Just like a kinsman redeemer would take that scroll. Whose name? Who has the authority? There's only one. And his name is Jesus. And he begins to open those seals because he's the kinsman redeemer. We see David as a type. David is a shepherd king. Just like Jesus. He's a shepherd king. And we can go on. But I, are you guys, are you getting the point? Awesome. There is also, because this is what God has done, Satan does that. Now, I want to I expand your mind a little bit. Now, this is thus saith Steve. This isn't thus saith the Lord, okay? This is a, it's a conjecture. It's, it's, it's an idea. This blew my mind. I heard this sometime back, and, and I began to chew on that and ponder it. Is it possible that Satan has had to have many ready to deceive the nations? He's had to have antichrists in waiting. Think about that. No man knows the day or the hour. So could it be that since the church was established even before that, Satan has had to, in the different generations, had people ready to take on that, that, that position. There's been many spirits of Antichrist. I wonder why. Maybe when Satan thought, maybe when Hitler, I'm going to empower him. Do you think Hitler was empowered by Satan? Oh, I'll guarantee he was. It was not, it was not the spirit of God. That was an anti-Jew, anti-Christ, anti-God spirit. Could Hitler have been the Antichrist? He wasn't. He could have stepped into that role pretty easy. One world government. A one world, was that not his mission? That was. Antichrist will have a one world government system. Just like what happened all the way back when we read in Genesis in Babel. There is Nimrod, a king who wanted to rule the world. God jacked up that whole system. He's like, not so fast. It's not going to happen. Now, I'd love to go into that in depth, which maybe we will at some point. But we probably will at some point. I would not be, um, it's just not going to be today, the whole Nimrod. Don't you just love that name? I, every time I even read it or say it, I just got to chuckle. Sorry, I'm just saying. Like, no one names their kid that. But a lot of fathers call them that at times. <laughs> Uh, that's not a blessing. <laughs> Hope you hear me. I'm not saying thus saith the Lord. I'm just saying it could be possible. That thought messes with me a little bit. It could be that there's a few in waiting now. I will promise you there is. I believe Antichrist, the man, is on the earth today. I, I, I believe that. doesn't mean I'm right. I believe it. It says, it's what the Bible tells us. In the end, here's what I know. One man will appear. One man will appear who will be the prince of darkness. 
a son of perdition, and will identify himself and be identified as the Antichrist. Now he, we see in Revelation 6, he's coming on a white horse. He has a bow. There's no arrows. He will bring peace to the Middle East, mainly. The whole, the whole world revolves around the Middle East. It don't revolve around us. The world doesn't revolve around me. The world revolves around the Middle East. There will be a ten-nation government system that will come into power, and he will bring peace to Israel. The whole conflict that's been happening since Israel has been called to be God's people. And since in 1948, when Israel was reestablished, there has been conflict over Israel, and the surrounding nations don't believe Israel has a right to breathe air, not possess land, to even exist. Antichrist is going to bring peace to all of it. This guy is going to be a smooth talker. He is, is not going to bring peace through war. War will come. At three and a half years, he's going to break his treaty with Israel. But he's going to come and bring peace, and he's going to be a smooth-talking devil, full in the flesh. And he will deceive the nations. In the end, one man's going to appear. Daniel and John saw a man, not a spirit. They identified a man, a person, as the Antichrist, ruling the world. So church, I'm going to say what John said twice in this verse. Pay close attention in the last hour. Pay close attention in the last hour. Wake up, church. That's what John's saying. Little children, pay attention. You ever hear professors, and I've, I've watched some different ones, it's so funny. They're talking and they have to, hey, elbow the person next to you. Hey, stand up. Hey, we need to be doing that in this day and age. We need to, you start getting sleepy, you need to stand up, walk around, go roll down the window, put the music up loud, do something. Get your attention. Stay awake. This is the last hour. All right. Now, how about some good news? Yes? All right. Let's look at verse 20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One. But you have an anointing from the Holy One. What does that mean? You have an anointing. The word in the Greek is charisma. You have an anointing. Now, a lot of times people think an anointing, they think when we come up and we maybe we anoint someone with oil, we, we take these little, a little bit of oil, this little drop, and we just touch this. That's not what the word means. The word means smearing. Not even pouring. That's a whole different picture. Like, when I was in Africa, they don't play around. They don't care if you've got nice clothes. They don't care if your hair's been done up. I got it easy. It don't matter. They don't matter if you're a lady. It's very not, it, it, it might be hard to deal with if you had oil poured over your head. They don't care. When they anoint people, they, you, you know you done got anointed. We went, I went with my finger. The, 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 the bishop said, I want you to go pray for different ones. He sent me out to go pray over the worship team and the, the choir. Okay. And I went with my finger and he said, what are you doing? He said, put your hands out. Okay. Me and about three or four other people put our hands out. He took the bottle and just began to pour. Now go anoint him. Okay. That boy, that first lady, I felt so bad for her. I was like, sorry. Her hair got jacked up. It was like 40 weight, man. 
sorry about your due. <laughs> but, but she knows she got anointed. Amen? Like, this charisma, why I'm saying that, the word charisma, it is a smearing on. Now, that anointing, he says, little children, don't worry, you have an anointing that comes from the Holy One. And you all know, what, what do you all know? The truth. You have an anointing. That means you've been not just dabbed, you've been smeared with the anointing of God, with the Holy Spirit. Now that means that, that it got, it's a thick ointment that's been rubbed on you, and it will absorb inside of you, and those areas of brokenness, those areas of hurt, those areas where you've been lied to, the areas of deceit, the hopes and the dreams that were crushed, that anointing of God has been smeared into you, and it will come and it begin to soak in and absorb into your heart, your soul, and your mind. You have an anointing from God. There's a truth that comes from God that will set people free. You have an anointing. Not, not a little dollop. You'd been smeared. And that picture of being smeared, I see like grease. When I first saw this, I saw like these cogs and pistons and gears. And, and how many know, like, you need to smear some grease on that stuff. When you need to grease an axle, you, you don't just, you grease that sucker. Why? So that it will run smoothly and it won't wear out. It won't overheat and it won't seize up. But you have an anointing from the Holy One. That means there's going to be some tough spots that you might get into, but you've been anointed. You're going to slip right through. There's going to be some hard things that are going to come against you. But you know what? It's not going to knock you. It's not going to abrase you. It's not going to wear you down. It's not going to chew you up. You've been smeared by the Holy One. Those lies aren't going to stick to you. They're going to slide right off of you. Because you've been anointed. You've been smeared with an unction of Almighty God. And in this day and time, you need to have that anointing. Because there's going to be a force, an opposition. The Antichrist spirit is going to come against you. But you have an anointing, little ones. You've been anointed and smeared with the unction of Almighty God so that the gates of hell will not prevail against you, so that no war weapon formed against you will prosper. You've been anointed by the Holy One, not the unholy one, which means there's a false anointing. I've seen people in the church operate out of that. You don't need the false when you can have the real but the real's going to cost you. You're going to have to walk in the spirit, not of the flesh. You're going to have to choose to die to the flesh so that the spirit can rise up and live in you. And that's where you'll have a powerful anointing. That anointing is an unction. It's not from you. It's from the Holy One. That is the one that is empowers human beings who are carnal. And it's very easy to see the difference of flesh and anointing. Carnal and pneuma. But you have an anointing, a charisma. The anointing of the Holy Spirit covers and flows out of them when ministering. Covers and flows out when you minister. It releases, that anointing releases the gifts. It releases the gifts and the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. You have an anointing. It will come upon you and it will come out of you. How many have ever felt the anointing of God? 
You know, there's no way you can say, I did that. The Holy Spirit came on you, anointed you, and went through you, and brought deliverance, brought healing, delivered the works of the Spirit, not the works of the flesh. If you have not had that, you should want that. You should hunger and thirst for that. You can walk in that. And there is nothing of the world that will compare to that. There's no high like the most high. I can tell you, I understand high. I'm not proud of that. But I can tell you, there is a high. There is an anointing. There is an empowerment that comes from God, and there's nothing can touch it. Jesus was moved by that. He said, I have bread you don't know of. It's to do the will of my Father. He's like, oh, man, that gets me going. How many have encountered that? The anointing. This anointing that John's speaking of specifically right now, he anoints you to be led into truth. He will anoint you to be led into truth and to discern truth and to recognize truth and to speak truth. You have an anointing for that. He will, he will anoint you so that you can do it and that it can fight through all the opposition and it will find its course and its mark. You have an anointing. John chapter 16. John said this in his gospel, but when he, the spirit of truth comes. Church, the church has been so busy looking for a person for a long time, looking for the next Billy Graham, looking for the next Catherine Kuhlman, looking for the next Smith Wigglesworth, looking for the next, quit looking for the man. The spirit of God has come. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. What are we worried about? When the spirit of truth comes, when the spirit of living God comes, when he comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative. Isn't that something? Even the spirit of God, the spirit of truth, doesn't speak on his own initiative. That means he's not puffing himself up. He's not speaking on his own account. The Antichrist does that. He's a blasphemer. He's, he's a boaster. He speaks of himself. The Holy Spirit never does. He speaks of Christ. He always is speaking and uplifting Christ. That's how you know the difference between the Spirit of God and a Spirit of Antichrist. There's men that have titles that operate and are being misled by the Spirit of Antichrist because they're puffing themselves up and building themselves up and wanting to be worshipped just like the Antichrist. No pastor, no leader of a church has any business in that spirit. That's not the Spirit of God. If he's empowered by the Holy Spirit, he's always going to be pointing to the one, the King of kings and to the Lord of lords. He's going to be pointing to the one who has the power to save. He's going to be pointing to the one who has the power to raise the dead. He's going to be pointing to the one who has the power to heal. No man, no flesh has that. That's an antichrist spirit. It says, he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. 
and he will disclose to you what is to come. Isn't that good news? He said, but you have an anointing that no man should teach you. Why? Because the Holy Spirit will teach you what is to come. And he will speak in truth and guide you in all truth. It says he will glorify me. We can't glorify ourselves and God at the same time. You're going to have to pick. It says he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. He will take of mine and disclose it to you. He doesn't take of himself. He takes of Jesus. What should we be doing? The same thing. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. What was the emphasis? I'm following Christ so you can follow me. And church, we need to learn, even in leaders, you should choose and learn how to pick the things that you see them following Christ in. Follow them in that. If there's areas that they're not following Christ, then don't follow them in that. And you know what? Every single human being don't have it all. But I'll tell you what, if the person I'm following is following the Antichrist more than they're following Christ, I'm going to quit following them. He will take of mine and will disclose it to you. You know, God's not a secret of God. God doesn't play the secret game. He discloses it. He, here's the truth. Come in the light. You can know something's not of God when it's secret. Now, there is mysteries. But he'll disclose them. All you got to do is ask. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Still talking about you have an anointing. He says, yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature. This is Paul talking. A wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery. Now, let me explain. The mystery, guys, is you. The mystery that Paul speaks of is the church. That's the mystery. And it was spoken of and alluded to and shown and... But the mystery is the church and the church age. That's the mystery. So he says, but we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory. The wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood. For if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Right? If they had understood what God was doing in the church age and developing a church, they would have not crucified Jesus. But just as it is written, things, this is so good, which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. For to us, God revealed them through the Spirit. Woo! For to us, God revealed them through the Spirit. For to us, God reveals through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? 
Even so, the thoughts of God, no one knows except the Spirit of God. Now we have received. <laughs> now we have received, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. Woo! Which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom. Hey, this is where, this is the, this is the dividing line between a lot of churches. This, here it is right here. People can teach wisdom that comes from man, but when you begin to utter prophetically the wisdom that comes from God, there's a whole nother deal happening. There's a whole nother thing happening. We need to get just, we need to get past the wisdom of man. The schools are getting so filled up with the wisdom of man. Oh, we got to get an education, the wisdom of man, and there's no wisdom of God. You don't get a degree by spending four years with the wisdom of God. You, you, can, you can have a man identify you and give you a, a piece of paper that says you've, you've acclaimed these things. God does that a whole different way. He anoints those. He anoints those. He smears them with the Spirit. He smears them. And I'm not against getting a degree. But if you have a piece of paper and you haven't been smeared by him, you have toilet paper. That's what it's worth. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. Combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. That spiritual word is pneuma. That is the breath. It is, it is alive. It is moving. It's not dead on a paper. Pneuma. It goes on. He says, but a natural man, really the word where there could be a carnal man, a natural flesh and blood, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them. You ever wonder, like, how come they can't understand? I do this a lot. How come they're not understanding? How come they don't get it? How come they can't see it? They're carnal. They don't have the pneuma of God. They, they have not been God-breathed. They have not the Spirit of God living in them. They have not been born again. They've not been born again. They're flesh and blood. They're carnal. They have their lusts are after the lust of the world, the, the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. They're not hungering and thirsting for righteousness, so they're not filled. For they are foolishness to him. The things of God are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. How many have a good spiritual appraiser? How many go through and you, and you appraise things? What's the, what's the value of this? We need to start doing that, church. We're in the last hour. What's the value of what I'm putting my time in? What's the reward? What's the return on this? I need to get an appraisal. We will get appraisals on, on jewelry. 
We'll get appraisals on vehicles. We'll get appraisals on houses. What are we, do we do spiritual appraisals? Do we take the things that we're concerned and measure them up against the spiritual, against the things of God? Do we allow the Holy Spirit to be our appraiser? Lord, this is something that I value. Do you value it? How many know that thing? And the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. Amen? They are spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritual appraises all things. Yet, he himself is appraised by no one. I love that. I am not appraised by any person. I mean, you can try, but I won't take your value. You can say, well, you're worth this. I don't care what you think. There's one that I care about. And he has appraised me with the blood of Christ. That is what I've been bought and paid for. Church, so have you. Don't let this world appraise you. Don't let no man appraise you and tell you what you're worth, what your value is. I let the king of kings appraise me. He's the one who determines my value. And I was bought with a price, the precious blood of Christ. That means you're valuable. You're precious to him. Amen? For who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Look, you have the mind of Christ if you've been bought with the price. You have his mind if the spirit of God resides inside of you. You can have your mind or you can lose your mind. And some people say that dude's lost his mind. Yes. And it's what they say. Ignorance is bliss. I've become ignorant to the things of the world. I'm becoming ignorant. And ignorance is bliss. I don't want to know those things. When I was young, I wanted to know all the stuff. I wanted to know all the details. I wanted to know all the info. I wanted to know all the dirt. You know, I found out I don't want to know. Ignorance is bliss. I want to know the mind of God. I want to know God's word. I want to know God's heart. That's what I want to know. I want to know what he thinks about things. I want to know what his plan is for me. I want to know, are you going to say, well done, good and faithful servant? You see, I believe God chose us for such a time as this. I believe that he equipped you and gave you gifts for this day and this time. And I believe God wants to use you in a powerful way for his glory, not for your glory. You're going to have to make some decisions. You're going to have to choose. Whose side am I on? Am I going to walk under the empowerment of the Spirit of God? Am I going to understand that I have an anointing, that I've been smeared? I have an unction from the Almighty for this day and for this time. Or am I going to be careless with the Spirit of God? I'm not going to use wisdom, the wisdom that comes from God, and appraise my life and appraise the things that I'm, I'm getting involved in or the things that I put so much time in. Am I going to let the Holy Spirit appraise those things? Am I going to let him value it, not me? The Antichrist denies that Jesus is the Christ and the Son of God in verse 22. And I'm going to close on this point. The Antichrist denies that Jesus is the Christ, that he's the Messiah, that he's the Son of God. 
says, who is the liar? The one who denies that Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. Denies that relationship. It's an Antichrist spirit that denies the relationship of the Father and the Son, that, that only begotten, that special uniqueness that Jesus has with the Father. There's a lot of religions. There's a lot of religions. And the difference between a true religion, the true God, an Antichrist spirit and Christ is all other religions that don't recognize Jesus as the Son of God is a false religion. You need to hear me. A lot of religions will say Jesus was a good teacher. Jesus, some will even say Jesus was a prophet. Well, the Jewish people recognize Jesus as a teacher. A lot of times they say, good teacher, tell us. A lot of times they would say, we, we see that you're a prophet. We see that you're a teacher. They would not say you're the son of God. They would not say you're the Messiah. That's an antichrist spirit. You need to hear me, church. This isn't Steve Dennison's opinion. This is what John says. Any spirit. Who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah? This is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. That beautiful relationship. There's a lot of different religions that sound even Christian. Some of them will say, well, Jesus and Satan were actually spirit brothers. That's not only begotten. Jesus doesn't have an equal brother. Jesus is the one, the only. That's a, that's a false, false, false antichrist. Spirit behind that religion. Well, I believe even Muslims will say, well, I believe Jesus was a prophet. And I asked a guy in the jail one day when I was doing Bible study there. He was a Muslim. I said, well, let me ask you a question. You believe Jesus is a good prophet, right? Yes, he was a good prophet. Well, can a good prophet lie? Well, no. Well, then Jesus said, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So can a good prophet lie? Well, that's, he wasn't, he, and it, then the true thing came out. Well, he wasn't really the son of God. Yeah, we have a problem. Anyone that denies Christ as the Messiah, any, any organization, group, religious group that denies Jesus as the Messiah, that Jesus is the one, the only son of the living God, is, comes from an antichrist spirit. It's the same spirit that is going to rule on this earth one of these days, coming soon. And he will demand. First, there's gonna, he's going to come in peace. He's going to talk the world into peace. He's going to bring peace. And he's going to say, Israel, you can go ahead and, and, and you Jewish people, you can offer the sacrifices in the temple. You can do that. And you Muslims, you can, you can, you can worship however you want to worship. And you Catholics, you can worship however you want to worship. But three and a half years into that, that's going to stop and he's going to demand worship. And he's going to force people to either take his mark, identify with him, and worship him, or die. Just like it was in Nebuchadnezzar. 
Worship that golden image, or I'm going to put you in the furnace. Now, church, I'm not worried about that because I'm not going to be here. I'm what you call the bride of Christ. But there's going to be people here, and they're going to have to make a choice. I'd rather make the choice now. As for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. As for me and my house, I'm going to honor God. I'm going to ask him to appraise the decisions and the things that are going on in my life. And if he says that's not for you, I'm going to submit myself to him, even if it doesn't make sense to me. Even if I don't think there's anything wrong with it. You have a right to be wrong. You know who's always right? The spirit of truth. He will lead you and guide you into all truth. Daddy does know best. There's demonic forces behind the anti-Christian teaching. You need to know that. That's why we don't, we are the world. We're just going to join forces with everybody. Let's just, let's just join hands and we'll have a day of prayer. We'll pray with all the different. I'm not. If you're not praying to God, the King of Kings, you're not praying to Jesus. I'm not praying with you. We're not praying to the same, same spirit. If that offends you, I apologize. It's the truth. And in this day and age, I'm not going to not speak the truth. It is the truth. There's a lot of people that are deceived. I once was deceived. I thought I could be my own God. I can listen to myself. I don't need anyone telling me. But you know what? This word is the truth. This is the Bible. It's God's written word. And he has empowered it. Amen? The Antichrist spirit denies that Jesus is the Messiah. The Antichrist spirit denies the unique relationship of the Son and the Father. In Islam, God is not begotten and cannot beget. Therefore, he cannot and does not have a son, according to Islam. See a problem there? Without a son, there is no Messiah. There is no resurrection of the dead. There is no Savior to save you from your sin, to pay the price for your sin. That means you have to work and earn it. That's the difference between Christianity and every other religion on the planet. Every other religion, you have to work and earn your salvation. You've got to, in the Jewish culture, it was you got to do the sacrifices to cover your sin. It, for a Mormon, you'd have to go witness and, and do missionary trip, and you've got to go knock on so many doors if you're Jehovah Witness. You've got to earn all the other religions of the world. Jesus is the only one that says, I've already paid your fine. I took the sin of the world on myself. I was sinless. The, the ultimate perfect sacrifice of God Almighty, and I've taken the sin. The sinless one became sin and was punished at the cross so that you could be free. So that God will look at you and see righteousness, just like he saw in Jesus. That he will look at you and see his image, just like he sees in his son. So that when he looks at you, he doesn't see sin. He sees the blood of Jesus, the perfect sacrifice for sin that cleanses from all unrighteousness. That's the difference between Christians and non. Whatever other name you want to put on it, they have to earn and work for. And you'll never know, did I do enough? I already know what Jesus did was enough. It was paid in full. Not because of what I did, because of what he did. The future 
will bring conflict over Jerusalem and Israel. Over the land. The future conflict is going to be over land. But the real conflict is spiritual. And that real conflict is even going on right now. The real question is what has to get asked. And this was the question that Jesus asked his disciples. Who do you say that I am? That's the main question. And that's the question of the day and the hour of this day and hour. Church, we're in the last hour. What's the only question that matters? Who do you say that Christ is? If you say he was a good prophet, he was a good teacher, wrong answer. You must say he is the Messiah, the son of the living God. He is my savior. Who do you say that he is? You see, in Matthew chapter 16, Simon Peter answered. Jesus asked, who do men say that I am? And, and, and the answer was, well, some say that you're Elijah. Some say that you're a prophet. Some say that you're a teacher. And he said, no, no, no. Who do you say that I am? See, it doesn't matter what your mom and dad said. It doesn't matter what your aunts and uncles said. It doesn't matter what your sons or daughters say. What do you say? That's a personal question that each one of us must answer. And Simon Peter answered, he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon, Barjona, because flesh and blood, you see that? Not flesh and blood. Flesh and blood didn't reveal that to him. Church, you don't need the flesh and blood to reveal it. You have an anointing. You have the spirit of God that lives, lives inside of you. And he said, Simon, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but my father who is in heaven. I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Now let's stop. This is what the Catholic Church is that, that they're building. That they're building the church on Peter. Where Jesus said he's building the church on Peter. No. What did it say? He said, I say that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. What's the rock? On the answer of who do you say that I am? That is the rock. Who do you say that I am? He says, upon the answer of who do you say that I am? Upon, you are the Christ, you are the Messiah, I will build my church on that. And if you don't recognize he's the Christ and he's the Messiah, he's the only one, the only Savior for this world and that there ever will be, you are not with him. That's what Jesus said. He says, upon that declaration, I will build my church. That's the foundation of the church. And the gates of Hades will not overpower it. It's so sad to me that in many churches, that statement is getting whitewashed. They're saying, well, there's, there's many ways. There's many ways. Well, well, Jesus will come, and while you're in Hades, and while you're, and he's gonna, he'll witness to you, and he'll, he'll recognize that, and, and you can get saved out of Stop it. Who do you say that I am is what he said. Who do you say that I am? And upon that rock, he'll build his church and the gates of Hades, the gates of hell will not overpower it. He says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. On that declaration, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. That loosed is a cool thing. How many took, well, Young people, you don't even have wood shop in school anymore. In my day, we had wood shop, and we learned how to join wood together. Sometimes you drill and you put dowels in them, but you always would use glue. 
pocket John's language right now, gluing boards together. Whatever you loose, it means it's not glued together anymore. So, whatever we bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth, we, he's given us the keys of the kingdom. The keys to the kingdom is the declaration that Christ is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. He is the anointed one. He's the all-powerful one. And with that knowledge, I have keys, and I can loose things. The things that the enemy has tried to bind with people and tried to, 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 to can get people bound and, and glued on and all these hurts and all these different things and, and childhood stuff and abuses and all that. The Lord wants to set you free. And you have power. The power isn't your power. It comes from the anointed one. And you recognize who he is and that I'm your son. And we have relationship. And because of that, you've given me authority. And I loose that in Jesus' name. Amen? That is an anointing that you have. That is the power of God that you have access to the keys to the kingdom. That means you can go and unlock people and let them out and they can be free. You don't have to be bound by the enemy anymore. I loose you. Come out and be. Come out and play. Come out and be free. That's what we have. I wish I had more time to go on. I want to give you an opportunity. Church, the most important question ever before you, who do you say that Jesus is? Who do you say that he is? If you have not declared Jesus personally, Jesus, you are my savior. You are my Messiah. You are my redeemer. I recognize that you are the one who paid for my sins. There's no other way but by you. And you have never done that today. I want to give you that opportunity. The Bible says you can know that you've been saved. You can know that you've been free. You can be sealed by the Holy Spirit. And from that point forward, he will say, you're mine. And he will come and dwell in you and you in him. That's abiding. Amen? Amen. Let's, let's bow our heads. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your anointing. Lord, I don't know the condition of people's hearts. I don't know the condition of people's um, spirit. I don't know the condition of people's souls. Lord, you do. If there's anyone in this, in this house, you say, Pastor Steve, I, I don't fully understand, and I've never understood what you just explained, but I know I feel his spirit, and I know I want, I want to be saved. Then raise your hand. You say, I want to know that if, I was, if Jesus comes back, I want to go with him. If I was to die, I want to spend my eternity in heaven. And I recognize Jesus is the way. If that's you, just lift your hand up. And I would love to talk with you after church and pray with you. I see you. Amen. I see you. Anyone else? The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. The Bible says, though your sins were as scarlet, I will make them white as snow. He will see you as if you've never sinned. Amen. Amen. Well, church, I'm going to dismiss you. For, for the, the gentleman that, that raised your hand, I would love to talk with you. Please come up after service. I'd love to pray with you and introduce you to the, to the King of kings and Lord of lords, and you can be made white as snow. The rest of you, you are dismissed. God bless you. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Amen?